All right, guys, welcome to the Triple podcast. And in this episode, we have a, have a guest for the first time, and it's Maestro Sirius of Quake Pro and uh, one of the best gamers in the world. So, how are you doing, man? Uh, first of all, thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm doing fine. Thank you. So yeah, we just we just spoke a little, and uh, yeah, I think uh, Quake Pro uh, Quake Pro League ended like maybe two weeks ago when you said that you've been playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much did you practice before that? I practiced. Um, I'd say like eight nine hours in total. Oh, okay. So not not that much. Yeah, like I did like three four scrims. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was really motivated to practice, and then all of a sudden, it was like, uh, uh, this is tough. So it was actually, it was like all on me. I I even had the advantage. I played surprisingly well, considering the time I spent practicing. And I had the lead, even, at one point. I was leading 2-1 to one in maps. Then I just... I, I wouldn't say I choked. I just played worse. I didn't really get super nervous or something. He just played better, and that's pretty much it. Do you, Do you find when you're when you're sort of preparing for a tournament and you're in the middle of a tournament, obviously when you have the kind of level of aim that you have and uh, you're so famous for at this point, do you ever find yourself relying too much on aim? Like if you feel yourself losing footing a little bit in a in a game, how do you how do you refocus yourself without just relying and falling back on your, your lightning gun, for example, is that something you ever think well, about? I, it's actually like my aim is a thing that comes back and bites me like in a lot of situations. Sometimes I would just get too focused on the fights. No way I could take them. No way I can win the fight. I take way too many risks. Uh, Cause you know, like if you're talking about stacks, it's not a problem if I'm getting outstacked by like 40 armor or HP. So I'm very always tempted to take the fight. And even when I'm in control, it just makes me lose focus. I end up losing items. I end up just chasing the opponent. It's kind of like a very stupid situation. I don't know when I'm on the back foot. Uh, I try and... You know, you always have to rely on aim in those situations, but I think my approach would just be uh, taking positions where I know I can abuse my LG aim. I don't really think about much more than that. Of course, in a game like you see, I think Rail is probably the number one weapon. I think it's probably my most used weapon in that version of the game. So I usually play a rail heavy because uh, the thing about QC is even if, if you're out of control, as long as you get that base stack up, let's say your next, so it's 175 armor, 100 HP and 75 armor. I know if I'm able to land a rail or two rails, we're already even, so I can already contest for an item or just keep doing what I'm doing. And my problem is, uh, even when I do damage, 
I can't really capitalize most of the time because, especially at the moment, because I'm completely out of practice. Mm-hmm. So I end up doing basically just pointless damage, not really capitalizing on it. No, I get too focused into playing safe, hitting rails, but in the end, it's just like, if I'm not taking items, if I'm not using the damage I do to reposition, uh, I'm not really doing anything. Yeah, what's the uh, your match against CNC uh, from the vote? And the Awoken game was, in my opinion, like, it was super close, and I think there was, like, it was... You were very close to winning, and I think that one mistake that you had when you rocket jumped to Mega at, I think it was 5-5 uh, five, five or something, 4-4. Uh, four, four. You rocket jumped to Mega and you kill him, and then you take the Mega. Uh, before you take the Mega, you try to rocket jump to the middle platform, and you fail that rocket jump. And after that, you sort of... Uh, I think you rocket jump to the middle to take the armor, and then you would, of course, know that he's not coming from there. If you actually made that rocket jump, I think you win the next fight that happened right after you. You know, I, you know what I'm going to blame? <laughs> uh, I'm going to blame my mouse. And this uh. is bringing back some nightmares of using the original Death Adder and trying to press mouse one and two together, and it was always oh a slight God. delay. There was like a half-height rocket jump every time. Uh. Oh my God. Uh, I'm actually going to blame my mouse since I was using the... That actually switched the very next on the very next uh, map, because apparently my EC2B is dying. So there's a lot of clips I took from that match from the walking game, where my sensor just spins out completely. Oh, okay. Especially during rocket jumps when I flick. So it was really and while I was aiming, oh my god, that was awful. Is that the uh, the EC two A or B? And the EC two B. Okay. Which is even more weird, I guess. I'd expect yeah. it to happen on the A. I know, like the first release of the B had issues, uh, and then it was fixed shortly afterwards. But yours has been working fine for, for ages, right? So- yeah, it's been working perfectly for like two years. Yeah. No, I'm lying, a year and a half. It's and suck. yeah, it, it does suck because. I really liked that mouse, and it felt great <laughs> to actually play with it. But you know, it's my death adder when I'm not using the death adder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So head, wait, easy to be. It has the thirty-three sixty, right? Not yeah. Yeah. So it shouldn't so be Psogl- having those issues. Yeah, exactly. So Psogl- have you have you seen any spinouts or heard of any spinouts on the thirty-three sixty? Uh, no. I mean, I remember um, back when. The easy two B and easy one B came out. There have been reports about spin outs, which were way below um, the the malfunction speed of the thirty three sixty. I think it's some kind of firmware error. Um, I don't know how it's possible that 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 sort of error slipped through um, quality control. But yeah, it's definitely been, uh, I think, acknowledged by Zowie later on and uh, fixed for the, um, I don't know what it's called. I think it's just called 
EC series, uh, the latest, and those are all fixed, but I think all the, the B series have uh, that sort of, I don't know, um, flaw. Okay, that's interesting. That's also a good transition to mice then. I mean, yeah, that was a close match and I think I think you would have won Avoken if you just made that one, one rocket jump there, yeah. But yeah, shit happens, no. And I then mean, you would have won the whole game. You can't really maybe. blame the game, blame me losing for because of, you know, missing a rocket jump. I should have ended that game long before that when I tied. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what can I say? Shit happens. I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely try a lot harder next time. Yeah, yeah. So you you are using the easy. Uh, you were using the easy to be in the first map. What were you using in the second map then? You when you changed? Um, let me think. <laughs> How many like, miles you have to your desk? Uh, one, two, three, four. Four mice at the moment. Okay. I had five a few days ago, but <laughs> yeah, there was a the casters made a joke at at some map change or something that you have like five desks and they don't know what mouse you're using because you have like five five mice at your desk. I thought it was a joke, but I, I guess it was like a fact, you know. But so, which mice do you like? Which are your actually like, top the, mice the mouse I used? Let me just check if I can actually say which one I used. Um, I know for me, if, I, if I'm changing mice ever... Oh, okay, uh, okay I, I can, since I know some people <laughs> wrote about it on Twitter. So I got this mouse like six months ago already. Uh, it's from Razer. The... Avalon? Yeah, the Avalon. Ah. Yeah, because it's one of the few games, Quake Champions, at least when we first got it at the time, where it was working flawlessly. Yeah, yeah, it actually was. So yeah, I, that's kind of been like my, whenever I, I'm not feeling it, I switch to that mouse. But I think it, it was like in the moment, I just grabbed the first thing. I didn't really put much thought into it. You know, when you have a choice of five mice, I wouldn't really think about it. Run me through the process here, right? Because EC2B and Avalon, I mean, the size difference aside, I know you're quite like me, where you'll change your sensitivity within a game just to if it just to make you feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, but when you're swapping from a Zowie to the Razer, you've got the, the the changes in the liftoff distance height. You've got the changes in the the DPI that it's output. Do you do you have like mental note of like the accurate DPI of each of each mouse that you're swapping to? So you no, not really. I mean, I know about a Razer. I think. I know about the, the 3389. I think actually Psogil told me about it. Yeah, it DPI has. DPI is like um, 820 yeah. instead of 800. I don't really remember anymore. But I didn't really put much thought into it. I just I didn't even change my sense or readjust. I just kept on playing. I was super focused into just trying to play well and calm and collected. And I didn't really bother with settings at all. I actually put, I actually played the whole series on settings that aren't necessarily the best for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a famous it, Quake final, right? It was, was it Toxic or Cypher that changed mouse in the final? Uh, he, had, he had the fully custom one as well, so. 
No, that was actually both of them did. Yeah, maybe both. They, they, the mice literally broke, right? And they had to. No, no, they, they happened to cipher DreamHack Winter in 2017 in the quarterfinals. I don't know against who, maybe the hang. I'm not sure, to be honest. And yeah. uh, he was on the WMO. Yeah, yeah, that was. But it wasn't cool. even modded. It's like the old, old one. The MLT. And. I, I think the mouse just died on him. That's pretty bad considering you're in a final, but, but I guess, yeah, that happens. Yeah, it was a quarter final, but still, it <laughs> yeah, doesn't yeah, make yeah. it better. Uh, I think, I mean, Cypher's historically used, like, he used the Abyssus from Razor. I think, I don't know what he uses at the moment, but he's always been the Ambi guy, so you can always find something similar. But, uh, yeah, it's got it. Yeah, he used, like, he, I mean, he used, like, some Steel Series mice. I think the Kana, probably the Sensei as well. Uh, I think he's on the ultralight too, actually. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I, at least he was, but yeah, he might be on the G Pro wireless like everyone else in Navi now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sort of the, any any final mouse or any product that's you know drop shipped or not sold anymore is sort of sort of a risk. I mean, if you if it breaks, you have to get a new one and you have to get a chance. Yeah, I had the ultralight too. Yeah, and I sold it to Zero Cool actually. Oh, okay. oh yeah. yeah. For a tasty profit, I'm sure. <laughs> nah, I sold it for retail value. Oh, fair. Uh, when did you start playing and which mouse did you use back then? Oh my god. Um, well, I'm not gonna say which mouse I used in like 2002, because I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Which was your first like, I mean, It was probably like, the WMO or something that people used back then, my bros. Yeah. But when I started playing Quake Live again in 2000, late 2008, early 2009, it was actually a, basically a 3.0 clone made by A4Tech. I think that's, I believe that's like a Russian brand. I think they rebranded to Red Dragon now. Uh, and yeah, it's like a laser mouse. It's freaking awful. Uh, Actually, someone knocked at my door. Please, <laughs> just give me a second. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Have you ever heard of that brand? A4 Tech, I have, yes. Oh, yeah. A4 Tech. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever used an A4 Tech mouse. Uh, so, everyone knows all about Red Dragon, though. No? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right, it's all right. We were just talking about how Pazergo's recently reviewed some 140 gram Red Dragon mice, so... 140 grams oh my god that sounds amazing that's like the g502 yeah. yeah you can increase the weight to 160. Oh, <laughs> that's a nice feature. what a nice feature <laughs> uh, did you had like three red racket mice and one mad cat mouse right so yeah I, I i can't i can't keep track of those um i i had i think two or three Red Dragon and two Mad Cats, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really, really put uh, that much effort into those. All right, all right. Yeah, understandable, understandable. <laughs> yeah, so I think I was saying essentially I just used the 3.0 clone. We had a laser sensor and then I switched to the 
optical version, the same mouse. And I believe that's the only thing I've used for the like next three years. I wasn't really playing that much back then. I was playing on and off because of elementary school. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of using whatever my bros would use because the only time I was playing was when I would go to my oldest bro for like a sleepover during the weekends and I would just play on whatever he had. I remember playing on the Kinzu V2. Even though it was like awful and spinning out, I didn't even, you know, think about it. Uh, played on the Death Adder 2013 when it came out, and after that, I finally got my own setup, uh, 120 hertz CRT, and I don't remember which CPU with an integrated GPU. I had to play at 640 by 480 during like 2013, 2014 even, quick live. And that's when I got my first mouse that is still probably in my top two to this day, the Rokat Kova Plus. And that mouse actually lasted me around six years five years actually so i haven't tried a single mouse since from like 2012 13 till 2017 late 2017 so yeah you used quite a long time to be honest so was it after that that you started switching yeah only after that i really started I bought a Rival 100 because, like, okay, it can't be that bad. It's kind of cheap, but you know. And surprise, surprise, it was awful. I ended up biting off the cable in a moment <laughs> of rage and just throwing it in the garbage bin. <laughs> <laughs> so I needed a new mouse after that. And I think I. That's when I bought the G403 that I've also used for like a half a year. Yeah, that would have been like the perfect mouse for me if it just didn't have such a big ass at the back. I would have yeah. loved it. Cause it's so, I don't think I've played with a mouse that has felt as like responsive through and through since like the old days when I was 12 and you know way quicker in general. But uh, yeah, yeah the mouse felt really good, but it's way too bulky i guess yeah. it's like an ec2 i think ec2 shape improved on it but i would still prefer it over the ec2 if it was just a little less bulky i guess so you you used quite a quite many ergo mice and then you used ambi mice do you have any preference i mean as you mostly use easy b easy to b now you I guess you prefer Ergomas. I mean, I mostly used like the G Pro Wired, the Egg, what we call it. I still, I'm yeah. using it at the moment. Okay. It's kind of my go-to mask for everything. Yeah. But my actual preference is definitely like the Death Adder shape. 
I yeah, you could say ergomice. I just feel more confident, more stable using those mice. But I don't know. I wouldn't really mind using anything. You know, I believe you can get used to any mouse shape, even if you don't like it at first. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah. proof is <laughs> I was using whatever I had at my disposal mm -hmm. and it was never an issue. So, I mean, assuming assu nowadays the sensor generally is stupidly responsive, it's hard, hard to buy a bad mouse. If you were going to lean toward like features on a mouse you look for from shape to, to buttons, what is it like you would primarily want? Um, the, if you only, could have the only thing I care about on a mouse is the shape. How it feels in my hand, and that's it. I don't mind side buttons being crappy. I don't mind mouse one and two being crappy. I don't mind the scroll being happy. As an, I was a Zowie user, so uh, if I could stand that scroll wheel, I think I can use any other. Um... <laughs> Yeah, the only thing I look for is shape. Of course, it has to have like a decent cable, but then again, like I think every mouse nowadays has a decent cable. They even started paracording cables, and even the rubber cables are pretty amazing. Like on this Jeep Rewired, it feels better than all of my other paracorded cables. So, yeah, I don't really care about anything but the shape. As long as that's good, uh, you know, I'll be confident. Uh, yeah, confident in aiming with it. Have you tried many wireless products? I've only really tried the G Pro Wireless, and that's just because of the you know, the Logitech sponsorship. Otherwise, okay. I would probably never buy the mouse. Because no matter how good it is, uh, yeah, that's not a justified price. Sorry, Logitech. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I'm 100% on board with you there. Like, I've been a deaf other guy for ages. I'd also happily use a, a Logitech G703. I mean, they sponsor my team as well. I think we're the two UK orgs that they, they primarily sponsor, actually. But it is, you're paying a, a crap ton of money. And then on top of that, you... It doesn't matter how fast it is. You're always going to wonder, would I be faster on wired? <laughs> so that's always been in the back of my head. But uh, since I've been given a wireless death adder, I'm more than happy to use it. Just double the price is hard to, yeah. to justify. Yeah, I don't think I'm ready to make the switch to wireless yet. It's not that I feel some delay or that I feel it's like it's less responsive. I just feel like there's no wireless mouse that I'd really like. At the moment, I mean, that's are wireless for sure. But also, if you said that you like the cheap Pro uh, Hero wired, you could try the T three hundred five. That's also that's like very very cheap, and in my opinion, provides an insane value yeah, for your money. I've heard a lot of mixed opinions about the mouse. First of all, you gotta change the batteries. That you gotta do, yeah. To reduce the weight, and then people told me. Some told me it still feels nice, and told me it feels awful. And it's not really balanced. Uh, 
I don't know. I just never bothered to try it. I tried it only once, and it was the default one. It like it's like a hundred grams, I think. With the yeah, I think the default battery is crazy. Yeah, the default battery one is is quite bad. I switched to lithium ion AAA battery quite fast, and it's quite good in my opinion. I mean, the G two O three at least. I think it's an upgrade over that one. The Hero Wide has better clicks than the G three O five, but. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I think the G203 is the best out of the egg shapes. That's a licensed one, right? Yeah, Yeah, it feels better than my G Pro Wired, the expensive one. Okay. It probably feels better than the G305. Um, The material feels better in my hand. Yeah, the coding is not good on the G305. That's true, yeah. By the way, Psokal, how is the G305 uh, wireless tech? Is it pretty much the same as on the G Pro wireless? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Um, I've been just thinking about um, whether it has fully uh, synchronization between the the mouse and the receiver. But yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, back then uh, when I tested it, I think it didn't have it. Maybe it does have it right now, um, but either way, it's um, the the delay is around one millisecond, and yeah, it's pretty much the same as G Pro Wireless. Okay, okay, yeah. All right then. Uh, so, how many tournaments have you played in Quake Champions? Land mean, like land tournaments, uh, not many. I play like free lands. So how do you when you switch? You said you switched a lot of mice in, since two thousand seventeen. But before a land tournament, do you like play for example two weeks with the same mouse, or do you even change them? Like wait to oh, yeah, like, land or something. Uh, when I was playing for my uh, for PGL two thousand eighteen, where I actually did pretty solid. Uh, it was a good two months, actually a month and a half that I didn't change Shattersense, FOV, mouse, or anything, really. There was a period where, I, from like August 2018 till uh, December, I didn't change any settings. I didn't kind of relation to that, I guess, as well. Um kind of bringing in aim trainers a little bit. I mean, you're a prime example. You hit well before aim trainers. I didn't use an aim trainer ever when I was competing in Quake Live way back when. Um, nowadays, do you, do, you, do you use aim trainers yourself to, to warm up or to, to, to genuinely practice when you're not in Quake Champions? Because Quake Champions queues are quite long inherently, um, unless you're purely dueling, of course. Uh, but But... Generally speaking, do you, do you implement that into your into your routine, uh, and in, in what way? Uh, for Quake Champions, it's a lot different. Like the preparation, I delete every game except for Quake Champions, every shooter, uh, because the input is so much different to Diabolical or Codex. Or really any other shooter I've played, except for Rain Gods. <laughs> you see where I'm going. Um, yeah, that's actually my way of preparation. I cannot afford to play aim trainers because 
it's actually going to hinder my aim yep. when it comes to QC. I'm way better off just playing the game, getting used to the mouse input, and trying to up my dual game. So when it comes to other games and preparing, I did use aim trainers when I was playing, like trying to get into Apex, which is also another unfortunate story. Um, and I don't know. For Diabotical, I don't really feel like I need a name trainer. Because it's just another, you know, quick game. Yeah, yeah. I can see why it would be beneficial in Apex because unless you force drop immediately every time, it's very difficult to continually get into really useful fights. Um, yeah. And with it, whereas Diabotical, you can, of course, jump into warm-up or free-fall or even just a, a quick duel if you wanted to practice in duels. Yeah, and like Apex. When I was taking Apex seriously, I was mostly playing scrims. Like, I picked it up in February last year. And <clears throat> uh, I didn't... At that point, I've been away from Apex for almost a full year. I just played season one, I think. And uh, my friend was like, hey, you want to play the qualifiers in like one month? I'm like, yeah, I downloaded the game and we instantly jumped into scrims, which is like a completely different experience compared to just playing uh, ranked games even. Yeah, it's slow, totally. Kind of almost like watching Fortnite endgame. <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole game is pretty much like Fortnite endgame. Yeah. even with less action to be honest yeah it's interesting you said because we, we had an entire episode kind of talking about this beforehand and um, a lot of us kind of got to the point where we would all prefer to play in the game we're competing as long as it would be possible to to really focus but again where you can't aim trainers do present that opportunity for you really just to, to focus on a specific attribute yeah, I don't feel like it's needed in games like Quake. I don't feel like game trainers are needed because to be good in Quake, you need to be... Uh, let's say you need to be good with uh, aiming at aiming with every weapon, like generally overall a solid aimer. Uh, but when it comes to games like Apex or CS or Overwatch, which are a lot more aim-heavy in a sense that you know they require you to be a lot more precise at a higher level than in Quake. Like CSGO players, people like to say CSGO doesn't really require aim, of course, and that it's all angle holding. But if you put, if you look at all the CSGO players when they try other games they usually perform a lot better than quake players it's because they've trained their like precision aiming to a much higher level than we have which allows them to adapt to games like you know valorant apex uh even fortnite in a lot of situations a lot quicker whereas in quake you just need to be decent with the weapons while in, you know, my point is in years ago, you have to be amazing yep. with the AK, with the Deagle, 
with uh, all of the weapons at different ranges hitting those headshots. Well and quick, you just have to be decent with like all the weapons. Yeah, I think yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I fully agree with that as well. I mean, yeah, a lot of people say that CSGO, you know, doesn't need aim. And, you know, it's mostly the players that have tried CSGO and played on a bad level and think that it's only you know, a corner hole. No, no, no. Actually, but... it's mostly the players that tried it and sucked. <laughs> yeah, that, because that I don't know well. a good player that says that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, exactly as you said, on the high level, you know, CSGO is it's very precision heavy, so you have to hit that flick shot and you have to hit that small head that peaks out of the corner. If you miss your first shot, the other guy is gonna, gonna hit the headshot and you're pretty much dead. But yeah, as you said, I think in Quake, aiming is more of a, you know, it's a tool on your, you know, belt that you can use and you can change your playstyle according to it. But, but you know, some people don't have like amazing aim in Quake and still, you know, yeah. play well in tournaments and stuff. Yeah, because in games like CS and even Apex, it's going to come down to aim a lot more. Overwatch as well, to add. I think Overwatch yeah. is probably the hardest game to aim in, assuming you play you know, the actual skill-based heroes. Yeah. Obviously, if you're playing like Moira or Winston, you have like auto aim LG, so yeah. <laughs> doesn't really matter much. But if you're a tracer, a soldier, if you're a widow player, trying to get to like the top level, you really have to be insane when it comes to aim compared to like Quake players, which are like, there's really only a couple of them that are actually good and versatile. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I um, just have one more question, kind of. Oh, sorry, Pizzogo, you can go. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, um, well, when it comes to, to looking at aim trainers, I mean, you know my stance on, um, is it Six Wolved or the Tile one, Tile Frenzy? Um, oh, and yeah. kind of hitting high scores on that. Uh, generally speaking, like, if you want to peak the leaderboards in Kovacs, a lot of the time you have to adjust your sensitivity or FOV, or at least this is my view of it, to match the scenario, right? So yeah. when, when you're approaching uh, playing Kovacs, obviously you, you've got the high ranks in all the Discord servers and, and this, that, and the other, but um, are you adjusting your sensitivity based on the game you want to be preparing yourself for? Oh, no, trust me, I have the high ranks because people know me, people ask me to be in their Discord just to be there and then they give me like some high rank even though yeah. I didn't even play like Sparky for example I never played their benchmarks I've never even tried them I've never submitted the score uh, I just yeah like the high ranks just because oh you want to have serious yeah yeah but no, when I play Kovacs, first of all, I don't play those crappy scenarios like Tile Frenzy. Those are a joke that's basically showing off. I mean, that's, you know, you know the Twitter post about uh, that specific player, which I didn't really mean to call out in a bad way. Kind of ended up like that because I don't have anything personal against the guy. But, uh, you know, people, it's to me, it's misleading people into wasting their time as well since you have so many 
players, I have to say young kids that look up to look at those videos and think, oh, wow, this is cool. I should, I should invest the next 500 hours into doing this so I can be as good as him. And then they do it, and eventually you'll be anyone can be as good as uh, huddled or, or almost as good as him with the right amount of time invested into that scenario. That's the thing about Tyler Frenzy. It's all about grinding it. That's the thing that takes away from the skill. It's also when I teach people, when I give them routines, I'm very specific about the scenarios. Because I think Kovacs has like 7,000 scenarios at the moment. But in reality, I think like 30 of them. Out of the 7,000, around 30 of them are actually uh, good scenarios, really good scenarios, some of them. And the rest are pretty much, you know, time wasters like Tyler Frenzy, just something to play on the side and have fun. And yeah. the problem is a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people just play whatever. They look at the videos, they find something impressive. Uh, and that's where a lot of the comments come from. Like, oh, I played... Kovacs for like 300 hours and they didn't improve, didn't improve at all. Uh, and it's just because, you know, first of all, they don't practice properly. Like you said, they like to cheese scenarios. They like to change settings from one scenario to another, like sensitivity and FOV, just to make it easier instead of playing on something consistent. Well, so, that's it, right? Because it's, yeah. it's it's about how you practice, and that's what is valuable about, let's say, getting uh, taught by you to learn how to aim, or following an actual good aim training tutorial. It's it's the way you practice, and that's why top players on every game ever have become good at the game is because they practice in the in the right way rather than just mindlessly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I like to teach people. And that's what I tell all of my students. Uh, even the routines I give, they're usually just one hour long. And you spend like, with only like a couple of scenarios where you spend 10 to 20 minutes on each. So you don't actually overplay it. Because my logic is, you know, I see a lot of people, some don't listen to me, some students have had. And I give them a scenario that they're really bad at or something. And they message me like the next, get, the next day. Oh my God, I already improved. <laughs> Look at my score. <laughs> and I asked him like, how much did you play? I said, I grinded this for like 12 hours straight. <laughs> yeah, I Despite see. me saying, I only play this 15 minutes a day. And you'll see progress eventually. And you know, it's not just mindless grinding. But nah. Sure. It, to, to me, it's all about the approach and knowing how to practice properly. And then just finally, on this similar kind of topic, I know I keep taking going in front of Pizzoval, but uh, do you, do you, do you uh, talk about like mice hardware stuff when you're, when you're looking at um, aim training routines? I know you can improve with the hardware you've got no matter what it is but obviously some people will always be limited by a 60 hertz screen to a certain extent for example 
I mean, I do give advice to people when they ask me. Uh, you know, they start telling me about their mouse addictions and mouse pad addictions because everyone has that nowadays. And they can't decide a mouse. And they ask me about refresh rate as well. But, you know, I don't like to give any input and tell them exactly what to use. I just kind of tell them how I feel about the situation, how I would approach it myself. Obviously, if someone is on 60 hertz, that's obviously going to be a huge, like, nerf compared to even 120. So I would value upgrading that over anything else. Sure, sure. Yeah, about time training still, I mean, these days there are a lot of, you know, a lot of young guys that they don't really play any other game. They just, you know, they just grind Kovacs and try to get good in, good scores in scenarios. And they even grip their mice in a weird way that no one would ever grip their mouse in a, that way in a real kind of game where you are mm -hmm. actually trying to shoot some moving moving targets or you have to, like, make 90-degree turns or 180-degree turns. So what do you think about, like, that uh, is it a waste of time in your opinion? Though? Of course, quite, you know. Yeah. Well, of course, it's a waste of time. How much would you like? How much, uh, for example, let's say that there is a student that comes to you that he wants to get good aim in Overwatch. How much uh, do you usually like recommend him to use it? Like one hour of Kovacs? Do you recommend him to play, for example, two hour, hours of Overwatch daily, or is it only aim training? That okay, so it depends on which game they come from, but for Overwatch. I usually give them something very short, something more so like supportive uh, to play instead of like fully focused on aiming because they play Overwatch. They have free for all in Overwatch. They have aim arena in Overwatch. It's a much better aim trainer than Kovacs itself. So I tell them to play that. If you're an Overwatch player and you come for aim training and you're, you want to grind Kovacs, that's already like your first mistake because you're already playing a name trainer with abilities. Yeah, just go McCree or, or a Tracer and just... Yeah, just play um... Soldier, just play Widow, just play Tracer. thing is, I've had a lot of Overwatch players that come to me for aim training and I ask them, like, what are they playing? And they're like, uh, I play Lucio, I play Azaria. <laughs> <laughs> okay dude like what do you want to aim train I want to train my projectiles with Lucio <laughs> uh, so yeah that, that's not going to happen how many how many different like uh, students from which games do you get students I assume like young guys at least from Fortnite a lot of those people which other games so far I've mostly had Overwatch and Fortnite players I've had some Rainbow Six players, I've had some Valorant players, I've had a lot of Apex players as well, but again, and you know, a bunch of Quake players as well, but I think it's mostly Overwatch and Fortnite. Alright, alright, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that team training thing, I mean, I respect the grind, but I myself, like, I don't see any point in, you know, just playing that game, but yeah, I... I understand, you know, young guys just, just, you know, spend like one hour playing Kovacs and get good score and 
get hyped about it, but yeah, I'm not that kind of a guy. I yeah, that's why to... I really don't like all these aim groups you keep seeing on Discord and Twitter. There's just, like you said, to me, it's misleading to people who actually want to improve and get good because they get in their little benchmarks and all of that stuff. And people just end up grinding codex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as NVC said that in our earlier episode when we talked about aim trainers, I mean, we sort of all have the same similar kind of idea. And in my opinion, that or what? What do you think about like who is the best? How can you even say who's the best tamer in the world? It's mo- most likely no one that has great Kovac scores. You have to implement that in a yeah. like, real competitive scenario as well. Definitely. I mean, you don't see Claws practicing Kovacs. And having yeah. scores. Yet he's probably like the most gifted aimer ever, so. Uh, I think. I'm pretty sad that. Yeah, sorry, NVC, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think this is kind of relevant, um, at least for, for now and moving into 2021. Obviously, we've we've had NVIDIA Reflex come out, which is promising lower mouse latency. The monitors as well, there's a focus there from NVIDIA. Um, I know from personal experience, for example, when I've been streaming, I've felt my mouse input go a little floaty. I'm pretty sure Pizzo can, can speak about it as well, where different mice and different polling rates will perform differently on, on different systems. Have you ever encountered a situation where your mouse just does not feel right? It feels different. Uh, and, and and what you've kind of done to rectify that? Have you ever played on a certain system that's just felt horrible, like at an event? Um, or is it everything been smooth sailing for you? Uh, yeah, I actually have. When I was in Poland for like a month last year, uh the PC actually felt awful, even though it was just, just so it happens, it was the the same mouse that I used back home. Mm-hmm. But everything just felt so much worse, despite being a good PC. And there's nothing I really tried doing about it, to be honest. I just kind of got used to it after a week or two. Not, not two weeks, but after a couple of days to a week of playing. There's nothing... I don't really bother too much about... Know, trying to perfect everything, trying to fix every issue I have. Because I don't know, I don't really have a reason for it. I just don't really care enough. Obviously, I complain a lot about it, which would lead people into thinking I care a lot about it. But uh, when it comes to LAN events, um, what I usually felt is my sensitivity always feels a lot faster than it does back home. But even then, I just tried keeping everything the same. I didn't want to make any changes, any adjustments. Jarkus, Pizergal, have you, um, even just within the same system, have you experienced different uh, sort of polling rate stability or different mouse performance based on which hub you've connected to or, or anything of that of that nature? Yeah, I mean, I know that on Windows 10, it uh, depends greatly on uh, the the power saving uh, settings um, because Windows 10 is very efficient when it comes to clocking stuff down fast, much, uh, much more efficient than 
Windows 7 or even XP back then. And yeah, I mean, if I have uh, C states um, enabled uh, for my CPU, I notice that polling stability is much, much, much worse. Is there any other power saving features that you've seen that affect the input? Well, it's not really, really affecting the input. It's just um, generally for using mice in games, I think it's, it's wise to disable all the, the power saving stuff like uh, for USB and CPU and stuff like that. I would expect that in a, in a LAN environment, all that stuff is enabled, however. So if it's about consistency, it's probably a good idea to leave everything at default. Yeah, it's definitely true. I, I used to work for a, a company in the UK. We used to host um, LAN events and we hosted some majors as well. And the systems, we, we got to a good point with our systems that we had in, in our warehouses because the, the copy of Windows that they would, they would wipe the systems with when they came back was kind of optimized for that because it was done by gamers. But a lot of times when you get a system coming directly from, let's say, Asus sponsoring the event or MSI that are sponsoring the event, the, the clean install of Windows that's just done across multiple systems simultaneously was just probably going to be, like you say, some default default setup, which is going to be uh, not exactly exactly ideal. Sure. Um, just a question in relation to the the tournament you just played um, recently, series. Were you required to like broadcast your webcam to them constantly, or? Um, yeah, I have. Is um, that through like OBS, or how how does that work? If you're able it's to through speak? like a uh, voice call on oh, in the okay. browser. I don't think it affected my performance. Definitely didn't feel like higher yeah, rates yeah. QC. So kind of just always doesn't feel it never feels good <laughs> yeah i was just curious because obviously in the pandemic at the moment there's like no LAN events and i'm seeing events that are happening everywhere with webcams being shared some people in other games are streaming their gameplay to some server so the production team I mean, can, it's basically yeah. what we're doing now except with the webcam enabled mm. cool all right fair enough by the way, uh, so you started from Quake Live. Which one do you prefer, Quake Live or Quake Champions? <laughs> Is that an actual question? It's <laughs> <laughs> like saying, which one do you prefer, Kami's COD 4 or uh, Modern Warfare 2? <laughs> I don't yeah. play Modern Warfare 2, so I guess COD 4. Uh, <laughs> actually, maybe not that bad. Modern Warfare 2 was a lot worse. Quake Champions isn't... Uh, yeah, it's not, not perfect, really bad. Yeah, I prefer like, Cloud 4 to all of those games that we just mentioned, but <laughs> bring us I, mean, yeah. um, I definitely prefer Quake Live. However, there are things I really like a lot when it comes to Quake Champions. I think the champions are a great idea. Mm. I think it adds, even though you can say a lot of the things take away from the depth in Quake Champions, they also add some sort of depth to it, to the game. <clears throat> um, I think people overrate it, but 
definitely definitely just adds something uh, so yeah I think the champions were a great idea I think the tribalt was an awful idea <laughs> oh yeah that's the one thing about gameplay I hated apart from saw lag dodging the animations just annoying is the removal of grenade launcher for tribal like grenade is such a good defensive weapon I'm so sad that it went yeah I mean the maps are made in a way that you can see tribals being you know, effective. Mm. The maps remain for Tribalt. But I still think the weapon is awful. Uh, there was one point where it was actually good because it was really, really, really situational. Now it's not really situational. You can just use it whenever you want and it's still going to be good. Um, like there are people... You know, there's something wrong when people literally use Tribalt over Rail in a lot of the situations, sometimes Tribalt over LG. Oh yeah, if you get the range on it, it's just perfect. So much damage burst immediately. Yeah, yeah for, uh, me, for me, Quake's just always been ahead of its time, right? It doesn't matter which Quake you look at. It's always it's been saved by the community, but if you put that aside, every single Quake release, like Quake Three, no one could run it at the start. Everyone could eventually run it. Then it was fixed with all the mods. Quake Four, no one could run it at the start. It was limited to ninety FPS. Then again, it was fixed with all the mods. Actually, Quake Champions has not really had that opportunity, but it's still like, as time goes on, people upgrade their systems and the game slowly gets optimized. It's got to the point where. Performance is actually not that bad. It's just some of the other things. About My it. performance is actually great in Quake Champions. Yeah, yeah, same. And same. fun fact: Quake Four actually ran at sixty-three FPS at first. Oh yeah, it did, didn't it? And then they upgraded it. Yeah. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing for me. Quake Champions is about it's it's the fact that you there's no dedicated servers. You have to or well there is, but I mean like no server browser or anything. So you always have to wait for a game. And just content comes out slow. For me, that's the, the only thing really that, that holds it back when you compare it to something like um, Diabotical. That's what I really like about Diabotical. They added the warm-up mode mm. while you're queuing. If Quick Champions had that, it would actually be amazing. Because it also gives streamers something to do like in between all the long queues. And even if you just want to play some Quake, just jump into a warm-up mode. Yeah, and I actually like shooting normal shaped models as well. That's one thing that it's it's kind of grown on me in Diabotical, and I can appreciate how it's like a constant where um, it doesn't matter where you're shooting the egg bar, it's always the same. Um, but I kind of like shooting normal-sized humans, if that makes sense. Actually, that's something I prefer in Quake Champions. I like the diversity of champions. Mm and what it brings when it comes to... I think it's not executed well, since everything is just easy to aim at in that game. But if it was done properly, like, Nyx and Anarchy would actually be hard to hit and not really easy, like they are now. Mm. Sorelike would be insanely easy to hit. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not. Yeah, uh, the animation I have nightmares still sometimes. Yeah, like you, can, you can take Apex as an example. You have like Wraith that is like really difficult to hit. But then you also have Gibby and um, Caustic that are not like overly easy. But they're like they should be. Mm. 
in quick champions, it's kind of all over the place. You have Galena, who's harder to hit than most light champions. You have Sorleg, that's the hardest to hit out of all the champions, despite being a tank, a heavy champion. Uh, then you have Athena, who's easier to hit than like Kiel and Sorleg. Despite being a light champions, it's really like all over the place. Yeah, very strange. And just to explain the Solag thing for you, um, Kamis, it's just Solag shaped in a way where she's almost diagonal, where she's got a tail going off to the side and her head kind of leans forward. So when she's turning, and like if you're looking at a Solag head on and she's turning left, right, left, right, the model kind of just goes all over the place and it's very, very difficult to... Uh, Actually, I believe that was uh, fixed in the oh. latest update. I think Sorleg is, a, Sorleg is a lot better at the moment. That's what I've heard. Um, I've played a bit after the update, but I don't remember meeting that many Sorlegs. Maybe that was the reason people just stopped playing, because, oh, I can't abuse this retarded mechanic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like you see could be a lot better than it is with just a couple of changes. Right there with you. Yeah, I've only played about 20 hours of, uh, maybe a little bit more, like 30 hours. And I, it feels refreshing. I mean, I played only about two years of Quake Live Duel when I quit Call of Duty 4 and had a seven year break from Arena FPS. And yeah, Quake Champions feels refreshing. But yeah, as you mentioned, there are some, those champions add some depth into it. Like yeah. All the skills and stuff. It does feel refreshing. But uh, I recently launched Quake Live. Just for like a moment, I don't remember what I was trying out. Like the warm map, I started my own server, Drunken Mummy, <laughs> Dev Map against the bot. Heartless uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, heartless thing. I mean, I wasn't doing exactly that, but yeah. it's based on that. <laughs> and all I could think about was <clears throat> wow, if I had the option to. I would quite literally never turn on both Diabotical and Quake Champions again. Yeah. And just play this game. Because to me, it still feels like it's on a much higher level and it's so much better to play. There's something very special about the game. And at this point, I don't think it's nostalgia. It's just how the game plays. Yeah, I think it's best Quake. For sure, people always say Quake 2 or Quake World or whatever, but I think Quake Live has everything you could want. It doesn't have the stupidly shaped hitboxes of Quake 3 where everything was easy to hit, particularly in CPMA. They're cylindrical, it's smooth, and sometimes it's quite sad to think that Quake Champions was originally going to be a Quake Live like mod like built on it. So, uh, yeah. But I, but I, I like definitely it. think it's the best. I definitely think it's the best Quake. And by far, I think Quake 2 is kind of shallow. I mean, there's not a lot going on. Even the dual maps in Quake 2 were kind of like, oh, we have this new weapon called the Railgun. Let us make enormous dual maps just to show it off. Yeah. I mean, everyone likes uh, Quake 2 DM1, but... 
it's actually like just an awful math unless you're playing free for all or something and character in general i don't think it was that great of a game i know a lot of people like it because they a lot of people started in quake 2 they played like the ctf with the hook the grapple um I would say Quake Live is by far the best iteration of the game, followed by Quake World. I think Quake Live should have had a, had quite a lot of like new players coming into it, like that had never never played Quake before, like like me and some other players from Call of Duty scene. And I suppose that during the browser days, at least, it had like a lot of players compared to any other Quake. Before. I think it did have a decent player base because you remember like the tournaments it was in 2009, 2010, they were like amazing. Quake actually had tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, the IEM Dubai in 2009. Uh, we had regular dream hacks both winter and summer. Gamescom. Uh, QuakeCons, of course. But Quake Live was never gonna bring Quake back or anything. It was like it was already 2009, essentially. I think they first displayed Quake Live in like QuakeCon 2008. Um, I remember watching a duel between Cypher and Zero Four on like Almost Lost, <laughs> just like <laughs> flat arena map. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think Quake Live was. You know, you have to look at it. It's 2009. Games are already coming out. Like, the new age of games. And what they're doing is just bringing back, like, Quake 3. So it was never going to succeed. That's, like, the curse of Quake. I think Quake Champions had, had the best chance to do that. But in the end, it's... Uh, just an arena shooter. It's the game that everyone likes to watch, but no one particularly wants to play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like with all arena shooters. It's just a cursed genre. Yeah. yeah I mean, Duel is it's so hard to start. I mean, just, it's the beginning of starting, you know, Duel. In Quake Live, it, the browser implementation made it sort of easy that... You could practice one map, and uh, you know it had the server browser browser, and it told you that which game is is it is this your, your skill level is this lower than your skill yeah, level, true. and then you could practice that one map and always play it against your own skill level, and then your hidden MMR grew. But when you moved to another new map, you could play against lower tier opponents because you knew that you wouldn't beat your own skill level at that map. So, I think that's the main issue on duel and uh, matchmaking no, I think days. the main issue is the mode the, the, the game modes themselves and just because it's arena FPS unfortunately but you're coming into a game as someone who never played arena FPS before and all of a sudden you have like 20 different weapons and you're like what the hell is this I'm used to having like two three weapons you know in a game like even Overwatch even Apex, you have a loadout of two weapons. Uh, CSGO, two weapons, plus the knife. I mean, Quake just has too much to learn at the start. When you're getting into it, it's probably very repulsive to people. 
knowing there's so much work to be uh, put into time to be put into getting even remotely decent at the game that's why i thought champions had a really good chance of doing something i just don't think they went all the way they had they i think they were too worried that people would have hated loadouts after quake live even though they were terribly implemented in quake live when they were eventually yeah, and uh, it should, should there just been something like NTF? Uh, you get put oh, yeah. in a position where you you basically know exactly what you're supposed to do. So you're going to be designated to hold the flag, or you're going to be designated to play support defense, you know? That's what I've been saying for years now, and years and years and years. Even when they were talking about CTF and everyone was hyped, I knew it was just going to be dead on release. Yeah. But something like NTF could actually... I don't know, it would bring a lot to the game. It would encourage a lot of newer players to actually try the mode. I think people would like it, if not at first, then eventually. I think even in the Oracle, it would be a great mode to play. Yeah, I agree. You get all the benefits of something like Wipeout, where you don't have to think about too much stuff, and then with the added benefit of some actual strategy, with some very easy entry points into... The map. I mean, obviously, you're still going to have to eventually learn how to move and do this, that, and the other, but at least you don't have to do everything. Yeah, and just have two weapons. Exactly. Ah, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I, I... I would have never got into Quake if our... When I played Call of Duty 4, our manager played... Used to play Quake 3 on, like, I think, UK national team or something. Dallow. TDM. Yeah, Dallow, yeah. And... Uh, and he showed us like some dual matches from some tournament that was on when we were at his house, you know, waiting to play next day on a LAN. So yeah, I fell in love with that like instantly. I saw that, wow, that there is such a complex, you know, game that requires such many different kind of aspects for you to learn. Like Call of Duty 4 has, Call of Duty has always been, it's either flick shots or idle, idle tracking game. There is only one of those two, two needed mostly. And then, you know, Game sense is sort of here and there, you know. It's more of run and gun kind of game. I'm I'm a CS player by heart, you know. I started in CS, so. I mean, the game sense in COD revolves around just learning the nades and knowing what to do after you spawn, pretty much. That's most yeah. Most it's very shallow, I'd say, but it doesn't take away from the game. The game is still really fun to play. That's why I really liked Battalion. Oh, yeah. And to me, it's really a shame the game died. Uh, especially, I think a year ago, they did a huge overhaul of the game. I don't know if you tried it ever since. <laughs> but the game had a lot of issues on release. Uh, it ran really bad. Everyone had FPS issues, even with really good PCs. And then last year I read something like they did a lot of change. They made a lot of changes to the game, and I opened it up. It looks way better. It looks like a an actual new uh, shooter, relatively new, <clears throat> and it runs great. And then I look at the player base. There's like three people playing an hour ago. I don't know. That's something I definitely would really enjoy getting into a game like that. 
Well, they are doing um, ProMod now. They've, it's called ProMod. It's supposedly mm-hmm. going to release into Alpha in January, made by the same guys. I did have a chance to play Battalion. It was when I got the IntelliMouse Pro, actually, which was probably about a year ago. So it must have been after that patch, and I had a lot of fun with it. But yeah, just uh, at that point, it was too little, too late. Yeah. But hopefully, they'll, they'll learn all the lessons. It's the same team working on it. They know exactly what they want to do this time. Um, I assume they're using the same engine, or they're, they're at least uh, know exactly what to do this time around. So hopefully, it'll be it'll be something. Yeah, I, I hope because I would definitely be on. on- to play something like that and compete in it as well. Yeah, the right amount of aim and strategy, and it's like it's I, I really want a game like that. You know, it's kind of like old, old school. If they manage to bring that back, I'll be really happy. It'd be interesting to see. It's, is it going to be more like Call of Duty Four or Call of Duty Two? Four, four, oh, four, four. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they said they've hired someone specifically to. Im- to do what basically Diabotico did with strafe jumping to make sure it's the strafe jumping code and everything. So that works flawlessly. They've replicated all of the animations for like the Deagle, um, barrels exploding, destroying car tires and windows. Um, supposedly it's going to be that. And if they replicate everything, um, all it will come down to, I would imagine, is the maps because that's the, the do or die thing, I think, in a lot of ways. There were so many bad custom maps for COD 4 uh, and only a few good ones. So... Uh, praying at least. Yeah, will be interesting to see. Yeah, I so, mean, have you played Call of Duty ever? Is Sogol still awake? Uh, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> uh, have you played Call of Duty games? Um, yeah, I have. Uh, um, I don't know. I think I have around two k hours actually in Black Ops Two. And oh yeah, Black, our, Ops, our, Black Ops 2 our, is good. Yeah, yeah, Black Ops 2 has always been uh, my favorite. And I mean, I have a couple of, I don't know, thousand hours in others uh, as well. But it's always been BO2, which I really enjoyed. Never got into COD 4, I think. Um, was a bit too too early for me. Blasphemy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've played a Call of Duty game since the actual campaign, the single player. I haven't played it since God 4. Last <laughs> <laughs> Call of Duty I've tried was Warzone. I, I think I've played just one game, that's it. I, before that, I played Blackout, which I really liked. But in the end, just really died after a month, two months. Yeah, I mean, with uh, Call of Duty, I think it's somewhat similar to Quake, actually, that at some point there have been really good entries in the series, like Quake Live and uh, COD 4 and Black Ops 2. And ever since, every new game coming out has that uh, insurmountable issue of having to compete with those games, and it just it just can't can't be done. They they can't uh, surpass uh, those games and the the memories uh, people have uh, of those games. 
and it's just it's just i don't know i mean it's the same for me personally uh, the new card games i try them like five minutes and give up and that's it and go back to to the old ones i mean it could be that we're just being you know boomers <laughs> but i genuinely think like the quality degraded so much compared to those older games it's as much as it's kind of a cliche to say that oh games were so much better back in the day saying yeah, that but they, they really are. yeah they, they really, really are. are i mean <laughs> i mean if i hop on quag live right now it'll have perfect performance impeccable mouse input and everything just hits and it just works like rockets hit rails hit lg hits everything hits and it just works and if i play quake champions that's not the case if i play diabolical it's not the case reflex sonotic i don't know doesn't matter which one it is uh, none of those uh, really compare to quake live and it's just difficult I mean, to justify playing anything else. i think the main issue with reflex is they made it uh, just a cpm yes yeah, instead of a vq3 <laughs> Yeah, the game which, itself is which great, a lot. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> amazing netcode, amazing. Everything feels so right in that game. Except they you know, took away from it because they made it... Uh, they didn't make it VQ-free. Which, yeah, I just in think my opinion, is just the superior uh, physics. Yeah, I agree. I like the CPM physics for, for team modes, but you just can't beat vanilla physics in a lot of ways. For Yeah, like if we get the NTF in Diabolical, I would want uh, CPM physics. Yeah, yeah. For sure. All right, all right. I mean, it's again one hour, 15 minutes already. Time goes fast, but uh, do we have... I guess we could, I mean, serious, can you give us your, like, top five, all-time top five best mice? Oh my god, what a question. <laughs> uh, you got number one. Number two, number three as well. <laughs> um, now nah, I have to give number one to my dear Rocket Kova. They're still my favorite uh, brand when it comes to gear. Both the keyboard and mice and mouse pads. Just a question. Now you've mentioned Roka. Did you ever own the Arvo keyboard that used to time items for you when you pressed a button? Hmm? Did I what? <laughs> there was a Roka Arvo keyboard where you could press... I had it. I had the same keyboard. I still oh, right. have it. Yeah, you could press a button and it would tell you, like, it would count down to when Oh, uh, Yeah, they have like three macro keys at the bottom. Uh, my bro uses it for his like work PC. Uh, not the work, like the testing PC where he tests other people's uh, rigs. And yeah, I've used that keyboard also for like five years, six years even. Uh, I never used the feature, I, I just remember it had like a Raiden voice. Uh, sounded really funny to me, but yeah. So rock at number one. 
Yeah, I think like when it comes to mice, I think like Kone is amazing. The Kova is amazing. Have you tried the newest, the the Boost Pro? No, I haven't yet. Boost Core, neither. No, I need to get my hands on that mouse as well. I'm not really like uh, at the moment. I'm not really thinking about mice, and if there's something new I want to try, I think I already have enough, and I'm just playing with whatever I feel like on the day, yeah, rather in the moment. And would if I get the opportunity, I will still try the mouse, of course. Yeah. But it's not like I'm, you know, I can't wait to try this mouse. I'm so hyped. Would you still use something like the Kova Plus? And Absolutely. Even Absolutely. with the negative Excel. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I loved. I said, I was uh, using the Kinzu for a while and that had like a ton of, not negative, but positive Excel. It's almost like what you what you the, the V1 also has negative Excel. Ah, okay. I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the V1 has uh, both positive and negative Excel and malfunction speed is like, I don't know, 1.7 <laughs> uh, meters per second. So it's, it's office level. Uh, effectively, yeah, and both. Yeah, and the the V two and V three uh, have god awful click latency, and yet uh, you you had all those people using those mice, and they they performed uh, incredibly well. Um, so it really really puts into question, like what sort of mice you actually need. Like what sort of quality? I mean, if something like uh, Kova Plus and Office Sensor is good enough, um, I mean, yeah. it's not really an Office Sensor. Yeah, I mean the, the <laughs> Kinzu we want. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd say the V two is an Office Sensor because it quite literally is. In fact, it performs worse than some office mice would probably when it comes to just spinning out malfunction speed. Yeah. I'm uh, sure it's I'm like not... 10 CM per second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the V2 has uh, the same sensor as the Kova Plus, but it's implemented worse and uh, spins out very easily uh, if it's not a fully black mouse pad and i think there was some some shenanigans with the lens steel series used so which halved uh malfunction speed additionally and yeah i don't know but all of those mice are of course much worse uh sensor wise than any 3360 mice or something like that and yet still people like 10 years back could use them just fine. So I don't know. Maybe even those rather crappy, crappy sensors were, were apparently good enough if, if strengths and evil. Yeah, I mean, yeah, evil was on the V2. 
right? Was it? I, I think it was the the V one. No, he was on the V two. Oh, V two. Because I, I remember reading that he was using the V one, and that in famous firmware that uh, transforms the the mouse uh, such that it has insane angle snapping. Like you cannot draw cycle circles. It's impossible. Oh, maybe. And <laughs> apparently he was using that and still able to hit. So I guess. I mean it says a lot about how irrelevant the mouse really is in the end. As long as you like the shape, to be honest, that's it. <laughs> but um uh, you asked about my top five, and I still can't really think of anything, but I'd say, like, for sure, Kova Plus, number one, the old version, not the newer one. I mean, even the newer one is, like, 2016 now, but the old, old version, then I would say... Uh, Death Adder 3G. <laughs> Oh man, I, I still wonder to this day, was it the mouse that I remember so fondly all the time of me aiming with the mouse? Because, you know, some good memories using that. I think that mouse has, like, its best coating. I've been asking for a glossy side mouse with a matte top forever on anything remotely. Yeah. You get the grip on the side, but without too much grip on top, so you can still do adjustments without it sticking to your hand. Yeah, um, exactly. I'd love to see that and like a new Death Adder mouse. Uh, at number three, I'd have to put uh, my G Pro Wired, the Egg. Actually, I'm lying, the G100S, because it's just like the Egg, but a superior shape slightly with flat sides. Um, I'm sure Lincoln and Winds would back me up on this. Um, number four, I'd have to say, there's so many mice, man. <laughs> it's really hard to think of like a top five list. There's just way too many to choose from. Go for top three. Maybe the easy to shape of the Four will definitely be the Nixius Rebel. Mm. Which is basically a sensei. Yeah, but it's a, it's a bit smaller. Uh, personally, I actually. No, it's think not. The Rebel. It's not yeah, smaller. It's, it's like, I don't know, like half a centimeter or something like that. It's not much, but it's, it's somewhat between sensei and Kana. Uh, I know there would be like the mouse that would be in front of the Rebel or instead of the Rebel would be the DM1. Yeah, the DM1 is very, very close to Sensei. I think because the, it's just a Rebel but with a bigger hump. Yeah, bigger hump, which is what I like in ambidextrous mice and a superior sensor, in my opinion, at least for my taste. And uh, I think 3389 is still my number one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to give it to Nixius as number four, and uh, as number five, I have to say the 
ZA13. Didn't they just recently put a B? Yeah, let's say ZA13B because it's just an improved version. But they're essentially the same mice. It just has a better cable and a better weight and a sensor, obviously. But I don't mind the 3310. I actually like that sensor a lot. For some reason, uh, the sensor really feels great when I'm using like 400 dpi, 500 hertz polling rate. It was the same with my FK2. And I actually have it on my desk at the moment. I just switched to it sometimes. It's weird you should mention that because I have an unopened white EC2A here with the 3310 and I've been thinking about maybe trying it, but it's hard to justify when the EC2B I have here has the newer sensor, but maybe I'll give it a go. I don't know what the technical differences are really between them, but... I mean, I can imagine the white one has better coating since I really don't like the default Zoe coating. Mm. I like the mice, but it just feels so off. It's like in between glossy and... Uh, I don't even know what, but I would rather just prefer full glossy. So I really liked the Revel. I think companies need to start making glossy mice again. They do. They just, for some reason, put it everywhere rather than strategically in the in the right places for some reason. It's not the, it's not the same type of gloss. <laughs> Like the Zawi coating is just weird. I can't even explain it. I'd rather, I'd much prefer like full mate or just full glossy. Yeah, yeah. All right, then. That was your top five. So the EC2 didn't even fit into the top five. No, no, no. It's a great mouse, but it's not like amazing. Yeah. It's just a mouse that I like because it's essentially the same grip that I have on the Death Adder. Uh, but it's lighter and it's smaller. So yeah, you've come, you've come to the right conclusion that the mouse doesn't really matter when in terms of like in-game performance and aiming. Have you like, do you, is there some mice that you've tried that are like, the shape is so awkward or bad that you couldn't get used to it or couldn't aim with it at all. Does anything come to mind? Mm, no, not really. For me, it's weirdest that you like the egg shape and the death adder because I can't use the egg shaped mouse because of the sides that curve inwards, but I love the death adder and anything with a flatter side. So it's very surprising to me that you, you like the two of them. I mean, it's... I mean, your grip is going to just adjust naturally. So if claw grip isn't too odd feeling for you, you're going to like that mouse. And if you don't like it instantly, you'll like it eventually. Because no, there's something about this mouse that just makes you keep going back to it, kind of like the Death Adder. You know, you find a mouse that's, that feels a lot better for a while. But then you're like, something is really missing, and then you go back to the egg. I think it might be overall the best mouse, the best ambi mouse ever made. I'm pretty sure 
every person would like it after a couple of days. And then you'd be like, oh my god, I can't really use anything else. Uh, would you would you say that something like uh, the the G100s or X shapes in in general that that sort of shape works better for something like Quake than it does for CS:GO, which has different mechanics in terms of aiming? Um, actually, yeah, that's something I've noticed when I was playing. I much prefer the regular the classic shapes uh, when i'm playing something like csgo or valorant can't really explain why i guess it's uh you know a lot of people palm grip in cs and it's for a reason they like to arm aim a lot they like to be slow they use low sensitivities the egg shape is kind of like for much more controlled use, much higher speeds, I guess. A lot of high sensitivity players, you're not gonna meet a lot of low sense players using the uh, G Pro. Actually, I can't think of any at all. Except for like wins. Uh, I think it's a mouse, like. I can't actually say why, like, I don't know, but it's something I noticed to myself. Like I play much better on pretty much any other shape uh, when it comes to games like CS or Valorant uh, compared to like the G Pro, the egg shape. I, I then again really like the X shape on CSGO and Valorant. <laughs> okay. I think it's really easy to flick in. No, I mean, I don't shape. mind the shape. I just feel like it's a lot better when I play with the other shapes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a, I guess there's a reason that so many CSGO players just use the AC2. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, a lot of them. Yeah. yeah go, go ahead. ahead. So, um, if we look at pros, like what they they are using in their games, I mean, in CSGO, Zowie is still, I don't know, 60, 70%, something like that. So if even if you exclude uh, the, the sponsored players, it's still like, I don't know, at least uh, above 50%. And then you look at Fortnite and nobody's using Zowie and uh, it's, it's Logitech or Final Mouse. And if you look at Valorant, it's, it's again, way different and so on. So I've been wondering, um, maybe it, it really is, um, like depending on which game you mainly play, there will be mice that work way better uh, for people and uh, other mice don't, don't work as well. Yeah, I mean, now actually just reminded me, like when you mentioned CSGO and non-sponsored players the, from Zowie, uh, there's this mouse shape that I would put over the egg for me when it comes to favorite mice, and it's uh, the diamond. G3 <laughs> uh, free, free. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mouse I love so much. Unfortunately, mine is just completely uh, ruined, so I quite literally cannot use it 
but I think that's the shape that felt really like out of all the ambidextrous mice that shape felt most comfortable to me and most natural with how I grip which is really weird because a lot of people hate that mouse I think it's either going to be your favorite mouse in the world or you're absolutely going to hate it it's like no in between well, I saw um, Cooler Master recently did um, a Kickstarter for their aimpad keyboard thing with the analog switches. It really surprised me that Logitech didn't do something similar to bring back the 303 while Shroud was still using it. Because I just feel like that way it w- it w- they would have printed the money and at the same time it wouldn't have put them in at the point where they've made too many. Because as you say, it's like um, in the UK we would say Marmite. It's something you would love or hate. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it surprised me they didn't do a one-time sell. There has to be a reason in my mind. I just don't know what it is. I mean, you know, all I'm going to say is when Logitech asks me what I want to do with my custom mouse, <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell them to remake a serious G303. <laughs> It'd make a lot of people happy, I think. It can be wireless as well. And lighter, like 75 grams would be fine. Yeah, G303 for me, I mean, there was like, who was it? Was it Shroud or some some yeah. big streamer and CSGO player used it? And then a lot of people took it. And yeah, a lot of people didn't like it in hand. But yeah, as, as you said, that's, if you if you like it, you love it. And, I've yeah, had the mouse since 2000. Like since it came out, my bro bought it on as soon as it came here. Yeah, it has also one of the best clicks, if I remember correctly. I think the clicks were insanely good on that one, so tactile and easy to actually good for CS, for example. Yeah, I think the mouse overall is just really amazing, really high quality. It feels so much higher quality compared to other mice, even nowadays, like it feels premium. Yeah, wasn't it was it was it first on your list, Psogol, when we did the top three or top what we did? Top three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did include it. Oh, it's yeah. definitely one of my favorites as well. well. I think that's what I hope for, honestly, in 2021 is uh I mean it's nice to have Logitech back kind of with the, the super light. They've been MIA for a little while, they've just been re-releasing the, the G pro uh, the original one shape and like million different names and sensors and light sync and all this and that so i'm hoping maybe uh we see a bit of a resurgence from them in 2021 and we see more than just the super light some old names some new names may uh, maybe a more death adder like ergo would be lovely um i got my eyes on them anyway next year expecting big things and speaking of death adder ergo um actually waiting on a intelli pro and I still haven't tried it now, so I know I'm going to use it for just a couple of days before I get sick of the weight. Mm. But... I said that was it for me. I used it for a, a couple of weeks. I think I managed with it. Um, but in the end, it's just the weight. I, I think I can open it up and take the little light diffuser out to save six grams. But it's so hard to justify using it when you've got the, the death. I mean, it kind of just got spoiled a bit by... If this was like five years ago, it would never question the weight. Exactly, exactly. 
So you kind of did get spoiled by all the newer mice, but it does feel weird going back to. I still like use the death editor for like one or two days every week or two. And then I'm just like, my hand legitimately hurts. So it's really tough to get adjusted again. Although I have the Elite, I didn't buy the V2. Uh, I think the Elite, the third Elite is like the... It has the best scroll wheel. It has the best clicks of any mouse ever made. And the most satisfying ones. And the nicest sounding. <laughs> but... Uh, I think I love every little thing about that mouse, except for the weight. It's such it's so putting off, off putting. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Vita is basically they've they've removed the little rubber side grips now, so they're just not randomly going to fall off in the summer. If you ever had that problem, uh, actually no, I never had a single problem with the Death Star. Still works perfectly. But that was the only thing that I had with my issue with my Elite. But the, the buttons are optical now, so they feel a little different. Not quite as crisp as the Elite, but they're getting there. The side buttons are the same ones. The mouse wheel feels the same. It's ultimately the a refined version of it. Um, I, I think it's like there's no flare on the right side of the mouse as well on the V2. Yeah, that's been I say reduced. I didn't. I I could use either one in terms of that though that never really bothered me in the I would definitely prefer that a bit more but it doesn't really bother me as well yeah, yeah no, I, I might get the v2 the, the logitech v2 <laughs> I, would, I would love for logitech to make a competitor shape it's got to be the only one of the only few companies that haven't really made a competitor shape the all their ergos are different they've got the 502 they've got the 402 the 403 i think the 502 as well would be a really amazing mouse like it feels really good mm. it's just like uh a complete brick and you can even add the weights so <laughs> it's like 140 grams with the weights it's crazy. But if you made that mouse, even if you made it 90 grams, it would feel really good. I think a lot of people would start using it. Yeah, I think it's my favorite Logitech Ergo, personally. I could do without the thumb rest, kind of what, I think it was Dream Machines. They made the DM5 Blink, which is kind of like a, a 502 or a Basilisk without the thumb rest. But it's definitely, I think, it's, it doesn't have a, a high back end. It's just a good, solid Ergo shape that's unfortunately still too heavy. A couple of questions to you, series from the chat. So, have you ever tried the Vaxi NP01 or the Endgame Gear XM1? Uh, the Endgame XM1? Yeah, I still have it. Uh, I loved that mouse for like the first few weeks. Then I just got kind of... I don't think the shape is really good. Um, I think the mouse is way too wide for me. You know, there's, it's like one of the few mice that I just can't feel right. Uh, so I just stopped kind of using it. I still use it sometimes because, you know, at first it feels amazing. And 
I didn't get an opportunity to try the vaccine. I would be really interested in trying out that mouse. It looks really nice. I actually really dig the old school look. And just looks like a really good shape overall. And yeah, I mean, it's we... another mouse that I've seen recently that really got my interest. Uh, the Cooler Master MM720. I don't know if you saw that mouse. It's yeah, uh... I think... Yeah, Psogl at least has. I think, have you reviewed it, Psogl? Yeah, I, I did. I and uh, I mean, it's a good mouse, like the, the sense and everything. But personally, I couldn't use it at all. Impossible. Yeah, for me, it's Way... one of the shapes that I really like because I use the spawn. Oh, yeah. It actually is the Hornet. Yeah, with, uh, with X. Xornet, uh, yeah. or I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that, that shape myself. I, don't <laughs> like it. I loved it. <laughs> I really loved that shape. Uh, so I was like, wow, this is actually interesting. They're bringing back a really old shape. Although uh, I have to disagree with Rocky Jump Ninja and say this mouse is the, the mouse is way too light. They're getting way too light. I think there is a limit <laughs> how heavy mice should uh, be, or rather how light. And oh my god, they're going down to like forty-five grams. Like to me, that's an instant no, thank you. I think that's one thing. By the way, we didn't really talk about yet. So what's the like the What's the optimal weight for you, or what's which weight would you prefer? Something that's just—it's not even about the weight. It's there's one thing I really liked about the Nixius more than any other mouse, and it's the weight balance, which is probably better than on any mouse, at least that I've tried, and by far better. The mouse was like 85 grams, but it pretty much felt like 65, 70 just because of the weight balance um maybe i'm exaggerating but it definitely felt like 70. it felt lighter than some of the light mouse it felt felt lighter than my razor viper mini actually which is 62 grams um for me it's like i don't really care too much about the weight it's more about like the balance and the shape because sometimes using an awkward shape can make you feel like the mouse is heavier than it actually is. It all comes down to your grip and getting used to that. So that's why like the FK2 felt really, really heavy for me when I tried it at first, despite being actually lighter than the Nixius Revel. Yeah, I've also tried a few mice that where they, they're getting so light to the point now where you can squeeze or just when you're randomly tracking someone with lightning gun, you will accidentally activate the side button um, because the... I mean, that's final mouse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I like about Razer, what they're doing. Like, no holes, just solid built mice that you feel like aren't going to break if you press it... Uh, you know, a bit too tightly. 
Uh, I'd say like the perfect weight for me would be like 75 grams, 75, 80. Down to like 70, let's say. If you go below that, there's really no... I know people are really hyping up lightweight mice, but give me a good aimer that's hyping it up and not just a mouse reviewer. Yeah, well, I think the benefits some, like... You know, some... I don't know. I don't want to call people out. I think the benefits start like getting... You don't benefit... I mean, we've talked about this many, many times and we all sort of have a similar opinion that at some point, you know, there is no benefit. For me, it's about about 60 grams under 70 is like a sweet spot it can be your xm one way I mean, and 60 grams <laughs> uh, what's the mouse called the carbon fiber the 23 gram mouse yeah oh, m- m1k yeah the m1k <laughs> i mean great you have a fingertip mouse that's even too small for fingertip users because it's you know like miniature Barbie mouse and they made it 23 grams. That's such an achievement. Unless that's just a project for fun and nothing serious, then sure you can find it interesting, but 23 grams for a mouse. That's just, uh, it doesn't have sideburns either, right? Yeah, it doesn't give anything. I mean, I'm sure if we get Rocket Jump Ninja on here, he'd say that's the perfect weight for a mouse, but um, it's really not factually. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of about the 80 gram mark. Would like to try 70 grams on a death adder size mouse, but I wouldn't want anything less than that. I tried 60 on the M42, and that was okay for the size of the mouse, but. Um, yeah, somewhere between 60 and 80 is where I like to be. I think my V2 Pro is 82 or something. It's okay. Yeah, it's 82. And for that shape and size, uh, that's like an amazing weight. Yeah, it doesn't feel heavy at all, the V2 Pro. Very well balanced. Yeah, I mean, the, the Revel... Uh... I too had that impression, like every time I plug it in, um, I'm blown away just by how good it feels in terms of weight. I mean, it's like, I don't know, 81 or 82 gram. So it's pretty light, but not that light, but it just feels incredibly good. I don't know what it is. What happened to them anyway? I don't think I've seen a Nexius mouse since the Revel. Do they still do stuff? Am I just blind to it? Some yeah, there's moves. been the the Revel Fit, which has been a MX518 clone, and that's it. Uh, ever since, uh, nothing. Yeah, funny thing. Uh, just a week ago, I had a dream where I was using the MX518 for some reason. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It was the weirdest thing. And the morning after, I was actually curious. Oh, maybe I do want to try this mouse. <laughs> actually dreaming about mice. That's like next level. <laughs> Nixius, they had also, they had the Rebel, Rebel, uh, what was that, Feet? And then they had the Venator or something. In oh, the that's Ninox. Yeah, no, no. Oh, okay. Ninox. 
That's also a mouse uh, I've tried once and I loved it, but I couldn't get my hands on one. Face was supposed to send me his, but it was already like too worn out, broken yeah. basically. The second one he released, the the Venator, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I I couldn't get on with that one purely because the the bottom of the mouse had no curve, so if you even tilted it at a slight angle, it would scrape along the pad. But I really liked his first mouse. It's just a shame the mouse buttons were um, had some debounce issues when you push both together. But I really liked that first one. And then he's disappeared again for his new one, which is a shame because it had um, a lot of people excited. Yeah, what happened with that? That mouse was, was supposed to come out two years ago. I don't even know what's it called anymore. Uh, starts with, yeah. Yeah, what happened with that? No Nobody knows. Probably not even BST himself. Yeah, because I think the Burst Pro looks similar to that shape, at least um, on pictures from Rocket now. Uh, goodness. Yeah. All right, guys. Do you have anything else to ask from Sirius, or do you have anything you want to talk about, Sirius? Um, not really. Nothing coming to mind. How about yeah. you and Vizip Sogol? I think I'm pretty covered for the moment. Nothing really to, to bring up today. Yeah, same here. All right, all right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sirius, for joining the podcast. It was nice to have you. Nice to have some input from uh, one of the best gamers in the world, at least in Quake and all over, I would say, overall. <laughs> uh, yeah, no problem. Thank you again for having me on. Really had a lot of fun. It's always nice yeah. to talk about uh, these obsessions, <laughs> addictions. Oh, yeah, by the way, are you taking a part in the next uh, season ch- Quick challenge. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. So yeah, you guys who are listening and watching, you can find him him next time. Next time taking part in there. I think it's it's also the Challenger League. It's always on Sundays or is it Saturdays or? It's Saturdays. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and yeah, yeah. Other than that, you can find NVC from uh, Twitch. His Twitch username is just NVC. Same YouTube channel and same Twitter username. And Sogos reviews you can of course read on Tech Power Up and Mouse Review. And if you're listening, you you're most likely know my channel and my my socials already. So thank you guys for joining me and thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.